Hello, everyone, and welcome to the House Divided podcast. Uh, thanks to Jeremy, we are almost up to 100 followers on Twitter, so that's good progress. Um, uh, Jeremy, how are you? Uh, you know, doing all right. It's Halloween, and we have snow on the deck, so that's, uh, that's yeah. exciting. So Yeah, I yeah. just went to let the dog out and uh, saw it, and I was like, oh, man. We're here. It's a shame that hockey season and basketball season have to come with the snow. Uh, we'll agree to disagree on that one. I'm ready to be done sweating, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, maybe that's uh, something. Uh, I don't know, because I, I definitely understand you there. But, so, you know, Michigan winners are just a little bit too much for me. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I hate this stage, to be honest. I hate the, like, ground is wet. Yeah, like that rain snow mix. I'd rather just like give me fall or give me just the actual like ten degree snow <laughs> on the ground days. Don't yeah. give me this like forty degrees rain turning into snow. That's just brutal. And I and I do prefer most aspects of winter over summer. And I always get called crazy for that. But my logic has always been I can always put more layers on, but I can't yep. just get naked during the summer. So Anyways, let's get into sports. I know you probably want to avoid that as long as possible, as do many Michigan State fans. It's been a rough month of October, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try to lead off. I know I tweeted about this. I want to get into an optimistic view for MSU fans. Not yeah, about your I'm, program I'm in, exactly. I'm gonna be impressed to see this because I was thinking we might get the explicit content on iTunes this week if you just let me go. So let's yeah. see how we save ourselves from that. You, let me let me hear your pitch here. Okay, so th- it's not a very strong pitch, but uh, it is one nonetheless. Uh, it looks like, and you're gonna lo- I'm gonna lose you here for a second because Michigan it looks like is going on this roll, and now they have a couple opponents. Let's. It's not a foregone conclusion that Michigan beats Michigan State, but for the sake of discussion, let's say they do, and they roll into that Ohio State game nine and two, maybe get a close loss nine and three, get a bowl win ten and three. Do you realize the amount of hype that is going to be going on for Michigan just for them to lose to Washington in Week One next year? <laughs> oh God, the things we have to count on now. But you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's all lining up. I was thinking about this Monday night at work. I'm like, man, Josh Gaddis. When I start getting excited, that's how I know I'm in trouble. Because I'm like, man, Josh Gaddis, it looks like he finally is understanding how to play call. And, you know, Dylan McCaffrey, even though he just had a couple minutes in this game, him throwing the ball looked much better. We're going to be returning lots of talent. Maybe you get a close loss to LSU. You take some momentum with the bull win, and that's when it hit me. Uh, <laughs> that just going to lead to an unreal amount of hype just for them to have to travel to Washington in week one and take one right on the chin. Oh, yeah, that's a beautiful picture. I'm actually looking forward to next year maybe a little bit now. So. Oh, you, you shouldn't uh, be if you want to talk about both programs, but uh, nonetheless. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, and I assume by both, you mean like my Grand Valley State Lakers, right? That's what we're talking about? That's uh, Yeah. That's – Lifelong fan. Yep. So uh, let, let's dive uh, into this, the, our news section. Uh, we're going to be trying something new every week. We'll try and get through some news. Uh, and it's actually a big news week for us. Um, and then we'll get into the games, sport by sport. So let's start with the big news that came out today. 
Uh, Spartans, turn your radios off. Just kidding. Please listen. Um, Joe, ba- Joe Bacci out indefinitely because he failed a drug test. Jeremy, your thoughts? So I, it's not saying I'm going to blame this person, but my initial reaction when I saw this was, Ken Manny, what is it that you would say you do here? <laughs> you, we have had offensive linemen get injured every single year, seemingly the entire line. We have mystery guys who have injuries that never recover. Uh, guys apparently just lift weights. They don't have any real plan, uh, at least not that you can see visibly. And then your one player who you probably can't lose test positive for performance enhancing supplements. Yeah. So that's what are you even doing? Yeah. What is your job? If you're not controlling the supplements, well, granted Joe Bocci could have done this outside, but I just, that was my initial thought because I'm already on a train of looking at, uh, I want to start seeing guys from this staff hitting LinkedIn with the ferocity uh, you know, searching for their next job. But, man, that was my first thought. Uh, second thought, of course, I think, is I fell into the trap of, like, I already know. <laughs> I know most Michigan fans are probably already going. I was like, huh, Joe Bocci is really close friends with the Bulls. Yeah. Which isn't surprising. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, man. And, and it just, you know what? It was just, here's what he did. He said, you guys have been obsessed that the LSJ never wrote why Bola missed the Rose Bowl, which I will tell you, it was not. I have it on pretty good authority. It was not steroids like every Michigan fan thinks. Uh, but I will tell you that uh, this is just payback. We're letting you guys finally have one, and it's in the form of Joe Bocci missing the Michigan game. Um, and so after my initial kind of funny slash Penn Manny reactions, it turned into really just kind of being sad. I started to think like, does he get to do senior day? Does he? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just kind of sad. I, and I, and I feel bad. And, um, you know, and I know, you know, I know how it is. It's probably pretty easy to mess up and take something that you really weren't trying to gain an edge in that way. Um, but you got to know what you're putting in your body. We have plenty of staff at MSU that should be catching this. Uh, and making sure that if you're taking any supplements, they are on the up and up. So really no excuse for it. Um, it's just, you know, added to the embarrassment of October. So Yeah, tough month. And uh, one part I wanted to highlight is that you mentioned probably the one guy on the defense you couldn't have. And that raises an interesting question because I think the best player on the defense is Kenny Willekes. But I would also argue Baki is close. Bachi or Baki? Am I, where am I – supposed to be pronouncing that. Uh, it's bocce like the great okay. outdoor yard game <laughs> okay so you know bocce is probably the most important player even though will yeah. might be a little better and so this is really tough for an msu defense that even though they're pretty good maybe they're not holding up that number one in the nation hype they had going into the year but i still think you know it's hard to look at it when you play three straight juggernauts um right this is a really big hit after probably three straight hits to their confidence, uh, it's going into a bye week, so at least the emotional effect on the next game is going to be a little bit mitigated because there's some more time to process it. But, yeah, that this is tough. And 
I saw a lot of Michigan fans kind of poking fun at it, which I'm like, you know, I did a little bit too, but yeah, it is really sad for Joe because he has been a leader on this defense for probably this is his third year being a really solid linebacker. And um, it just sucks. This is a senior season and he's going to have to miss the last part of it. One thing I do want to bring up though, that I hadn't thought about um, is Jabril Peppers. He also tested positive for some type of Mm -hmm. substance at the combine his draft year. And it ended up being something was messed up with the sample. So uh, right Right on Twitter, if you don't follow him, you should, it's at it's Ant right. Uh, Brought that up as a point. And I thought that was interesting. So they're appealing it and uh, we'll see how it plays out, but that's, that's really tough for MSU though. Yeah. I was going to say, we should probably mention that it, it, they are appealing it. So, uh, it could come back that way, um, you know, and certainly hope so. And if it doesn't, I mean, is it really that shocking? Uh, we've come on. I mean, we've seen the draft photos of Devin Bush and uh, what was it? DK Metcalf from Ole Miss last year. <laughs> come on, yeah. come on, man! Like we know it happens. Uh, it's a random test, and you know, got caught. That's an issue. But uh, yeah, I mean, what, Ed, to be honest. It, the, the only silver lining I'm going to point out, besides the fact that uh, my summer tradition is that I'm known across MSU Twitter for picking out the Chris Fry psycho, who is going to replace Chris Fry being a psycho. <laughs> and so that my pick for this year was Ed Warner, which means I now get to see my psycho on the field yeah. uh, with Joe Bocci being gone. But uh, th- I mean, at least, you know what? This is a four and four season. Can you imagine if we were actually good this year and this happened? Oh, if the meltdown I'd be in. Oh even, man! Even if you guys were six and good. two, yeah, no, yeah, even even like that, it's just like okay, now you know what? Force the coaches to play the young guys. I don't care; they can't mess it up now because we're not allowed to play Joe Bocci. So <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, when we'll get into the the young guys talk later when we talk about the Michigan State game. I do want to move forward with a different piece of news. Yeah. I I'm not the most educated on this process and I don't know if you are, but I wanted to touch on it. The NCAA has started the process of uh, making it legal for players to be compensated for uh, the use of their name and likeness. This is a huge step forward for college athletics. Um, Pretty much it's universally being uh, celebrated except for Tim Tebow, I think. So uh, I, I just wanted to get your thoughts if you had any. Uh, other than just the uh, fact that it's it's good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think the idea of it is good. I will say that I don't I don't buy into the huge step yet because I think to me when I read into it, it just came all very PR like. Like they see that the public opinion is changing, but if you really read the statement, it's that they're going to look into it. They're going to put it on their schedule to think about by 2021. And really, I think what's going to happen is they're just going to see what happens with these state legislations. Uh, obviously, California passed their thing, and I think I heard it was 10 other states have similar bills um, working their way through their governments. Mm-hmm. But if this all of a sudden turns in and those most of those states fall through, I could totally see the NCAA backing down on this. So um, it's something I'm going to watch. I think it's a it's a step forward and a and a baby to medium step forward. Um, but yeah, I think we're still probably a little bit off from it actually coming to fruition. But it's definitely something I think if you were a, a coaching staff or an administrator, you should start to prepare for. That's for sure. 
Well, I'm really glad that you were uh, uh, had read into it a little bit more than me to give that information, because <laughs> that is not the way it was being reported, at least in headlines all over. You know, it doesn't even matter yeah. what news site you were going through. The way that it was being reported was that instantaneously these people could be compensated yeah. for their name and likeness. And I obviously knew that yeah. that's not what it was, but that's really interesting. Um, moving on, Michigan has canceled their future home and home with UCLA and replaced them with home games against Hawaii and East Carolina. Um, they, the way they put it out, they're saying it's because they wanted to promise their home fans seven home games a year. It really seems like it was mainly for the goal of trying to avoid big non-conference games, like the trend is nationally, really. Um, I'm not, I wasn't super thrilled when this news came out as a Michigan fan. I loved seeing Michigan play other iconic teams, uh, especially in home and homes. You know, I think it's so much more fun than like neutral site games. So I was bummed. Uh, one fan, one Michigan State fan uh, added me saying it's the only time Michigan, Michigan will get to the Rose Bowl and they just ruined it, which, you know, haha. But, <laughs> um, Oh man! In the overall scheme of things, it is good if you want to get to the playoff, unless the playoff format changes, in which I think if the amount of teams that get in increases, these big home and homes are going to be actually more uh, common because I, I think we're going to start seeing two teams get into the – or two lost teams get into the playoff, and so strength of schedule will actually matter again. And that's pretty much all my yeah. thoughts on it. Yeah, I don't really have much besides I would think it would have been cool to see uh, Chip Kelly and Jim Harbaugh go uh, go against each other again because they did coach a couple times uh, against each other at Oregon and Stanford. So I think that would have been a cool little angle. Um, it would have been, yeah. On the, on the game going that. into it too. But, I mean, I, I will say, like, do I think they'll come in and win? No, but and it depends on – they're such a volatile program just because the turnover of their roster. But Hawaii can be a – sneaky good game depending on uh if Rolovich is still there and they they have the talent that year um I will say the ECU one is a t just that's a, just a terrible pick that team is so terrible right now um yeah. you, man you're I really... completely correct however when I played NCAA football 2003 I made a dynasty with ECU and got them to the natty <laughs> and so this was pretty big for me but, yes, I, I completely agree with you. These are two nothing games, uh, and they don't, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. I'm just really hoping they don't take my Texas and Oklahoma home and homes away because I have been looking forward to those for years, and I have more years to look forward to them. And I think it'll be so cool to see those uniforms and those teams meet in front of their actual fan bases because I just sure. – I'm a sucker for it. I, I love the theater part of sports, and – yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would uh I would totally agree there. I would that's one that they or both of those I hope they definitely keep. And I don't see why they would cancel those. Those seem probably safer than uh UCLA, which is probably not even close to the same marquee level as uh those two. So those feel safe. Yep. And also uh Michigan scheduled a home and home with Notre Dame for twenty thirty three and twenty thirty four. Uh, I, a 21-year-old, will be 35 the next time we play Notre Dame. That's insane. Uh, but let's move on. 
the next item for us was uh, talking about the secret scrimmages for basketball plus MSU's exhibition. But we're going to change course a little bit because we're doing two pods this week. We're going to have one released uh, either Sunday or Monday. So we'll cover that in that pod that will focus more on basketball. Um, now, the next part, we're, we are going to cover it real quick. Thomas Kith here. Uh, was reported as injured. He broke his nose, I believe. So he will be playing against Kentucky on Monday or Tuesday. Not sure what day that game is, but uh, reports are that he's not going to be at 100%, though. Yeah, it's it's Tuesday night, and I think 100%, I probably would assume, means that he's mostly probably feeling okay, but uh, I think it takes a while to get used to playing with the uh, mask on your face. Yeah. And he's probably not going to be breathing as well as he normally does. So he might need more short spurts, um, you know, instead of going like long, long minute stretches of playing just because he's going to, you know, not be breathing quite as well. But uh, yeah, I would, I would say it's, uh, you know, Rip Hamilton dealt with it. As we've all said, Thomas Kivier is just as good as Rip Hamilton, right? Yeah, so that's the phrase. Uh, <laughs> that is, that's the thing, right? Um, so, yeah, I think uh, it'll be an adjustment, but I think the nice part is, is not like, uh, I would imagine I was not a basketball player, so uh, people can definitely add us if I'm wrong here, but I feel like the mask would most affect you if you're like a sharpshooter and you really need a good queer vision and, and everything like that. And I feel since Kivier is mainly there to rebound, hopefully the mask isn't uh, as much of a hindrance it is kind of the, the hope I have, but um, cause he was, he was really important in the exhibition. He did, a, he seems uh, as a, as Brennan Quinn was saying on their podcast um, uh, through the athletic was talking about how like he probably is the guy outside of Cassius that best knows his role. It doesn't mean he's the second best player, but just he knows his role and he does it. Um, yep. so he's going to be important here in the early going while everyone else is kind of figuring out who they are and what, where they fit in. So, uh, so yeah, so hopefully he's, uh, he's good enough to, to rebound over whatever freshman Kentucky has. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I'm sure he will, and it'll be really interesting and we'll get way more into that in the next, the next episode we do before those games. Um, so one last thing I wanted to touch on, because I know we talk soccer on the pod sometimes. Uh, Michigan finally beat Michigan State. First time since 2015 they have beaten them and earned the Big Bear Trophy, which, by the way, if you haven't heard of this or seen it, look it up. It's awesome that the, these two college Perfect soccer teams. rivalry trophy. They have, oh, it's an amazing rivalry trophy. And uh, Michigan won it with a 2-0 victory. Uh, so Not much to talk about, just figure give an update to anybody who cared. Which brings us to the Michigan State-Penn State football game. It's time to go over our football games. And I'm going to be honest, like I talked about last week, I had the family gathering. Uh, and then there, it was LSU-Auburn on the TV. So I didn't watch Smart. In a couple plays of this game. What happened? <sighs> oh, what didn't happen? Um, so here's the thing. Left at halftime. I don't do that often, but I had some family in town that uh, I probably would have stayed, but I had some family in town that wanted to leave and I didn't want to figure out, you know, meeting them later to give them a ride home and all that stuff. So, um, you know, it just, I think this one felt like a 2016 game again to me. 
uh, where just it's 13 nothing in the first half and you're just like yeah this thing's over like what are we even doing like this is there's no way we're gonna string enough stops together in combination with drives that are gonna score um you know it was just uh couldn't get the run game going once again uh Defense couldn't get off the field. They're the number one defense in the country on first and second down, but on third down, they're either going to give it up or take a penalty that extends a drive. Hold on. They couldn't um, get off the field? No, it was brutal. Insane. I think I think uh, Penn State's first series was a three and out, and then after that, it was – I want to say it was either the first touchdown or second touchdown drive uh, – they were we had them off we were off the field then there's a defensive holding on third down which gave them the automatic first um you know just uh at one point had them in like third and 12 and Clifford got a 14 yard scramble just it, again they just couldn't close that is on third down that is just the only reason that's crazy to me is do you know how long the how many plays the longest drive Penn State had against Michigan was I'm going to say like seven plays. Yeah, it was six in that, you know, and they still let go 28 points, whatever. Like that's Penn State's thing is being explosive. But I just, I, that is crazy that they couldn't get off the field for a defense that's known for just being able to stuff the run and make you have third and longs. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, it was, but it's just, it was just one of those backbreaking days where it's not even, like you're getting blown out to the point of the defense is just giving up explosive plays. It's like death by a thousand paper cuts. Here comes, oh, we're going to get off the field here, maybe get some decent field position, and there's a first down. Um, yeah. You know, and just it, it wasn't a great weather day, so it wasn't like Brian Lewerke, who already struggles with accuracy, um, was going to be able to have a I mean, what are you going to do when you're down 13, nothing and your receivers have the most drops in the country and you already have an inaccurate quarterback. I don't know where the positivity comes from that you think you're going to make that comeback. So yeah. uh, it was pretty ugly, pretty ugly game. Um, you know, just it, uh, I think what made this one probably the most frustrating for fans is that you, you can say the weather, whatever, both teams had to play through it. Uh, but Michigan State had two weeks to prepare, and that, yeah. that was what they came up with. That oh, was the I, result. And I get that frustration. Michigan has been historically bad under Jim Harbaugh after bye weeks. Uh, we, we talked yeah. about it earlier in the year with what happened at Wisconsin after a bye week. So, so I get that feeling. Um, really, there's not much use getting down into the specifics of what exactly – went wrong like player by player yeah. because they just they just got whooped a little bit and yeah I mean the transition it's the us, same as Ohio State same as Wisconsin like exactly no... to transition us into our next topic what does MSU's October mean for 2019 and future years I mean it, it's an incredibly tough thing you know you look we look at the schedule before the year and we see in October Michigan has at Wisconsin at Ohio State and then Penn State at home and we're looking at that, and we're like, oh, man, that's going to be tough. But saying that's going to be tough and watching it unfold are very different things. Um, and it's easy to say, like, oh, man, this is a garbage team. And they very well might be. They didn't really play a competitive game once. 
However, it is demoralizing to play against those teams, especially back-to-back-to-back, especially with two on the road. Um, what, how do you see this affecting November for MSU? And if you have any thoughts on where this goes after this year, please give them to me now. So, yeah, I mean, I think when I look at November, it's I'm honestly just going to have to see the first half against Illinois. I, I, I think my ability to uh, find the silver lining, I'm going to have to see some results. I can't just have the silver lining anymore without them showing something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they can play a game maybe similar to like Indiana uh, or even Northwestern to an extent, like if they look like that, they'll probably get to seven and five. Um, I think they will beat Illinois, Maryland, and Rutgers if they can play at that level. Uh, but you know, until until they prove that they are going to get up off the mat, because they they took it in the mouth from Ohio State, but they showed some fight. They showed no fight against Wisconsin, and they showed no fight against Penn State. So until they prove that they're going to fight in the month of November, you have to operate on a wait-and-see approach or just go nihilistic with it and say that it's not going to be good. Um, so I'll choose the wait-and-see approach uh, for for November. Um, beyond that, I, if you ask me every day, I change my opinion. <laughs> uh, today I've fallen on um, just kind of reading it and some different things that uh, have come out. I think D'Antonio is going to stay, but then it's just going to be what changes does he make? Um, I guess there was some uh, Holly Rowe, um, who was the sideline reporter on Saturday, was on a podcast uh, this week and mentioned that uh, it didn't air on TV, but she was asking Mark about uh, the rumors of him retiring and things like that. And he was very adamant in he's staying. Uh, so, and I've had some people that, you know, have pretty been decent, pretty insiders before kind of saying the same thing, but November goes the way October did that all could change. So, uh, so I think I've fallen on today on East Dane, but if you asked me Tuesday, it was, he's gone. So, uh, it's hard to know where, where I fall for the, uh, for the beyond 2019. Yeah. And I mean, in terms of that November that we were talking about, it, from my point of view, I think your floor is two and two. Um, I, I do not think Maryland I, – I think Illinois has proven, obviously, they can. They beat Wisconsin. They've proven that they're a decent team. They blew out Purdue last week. I think if all things go right for Illinois and it just continues to be Murphy's Law for Michigan State, they could lose that game. But they're, that's not happening against Maryland in my eyes, and that's not happening against Rutgers. So. Uh, that's the upside is you're going to be bowl eligible and whether or not you think that's a a moral victory or whatever, it makes a difference for next year because those players get an extra month to practice. Um, Now to move on kind of, you, you wrote in our notes what to even play for. And I wrote on mine as a response to that Michigan, because we both know that while it may not cure anything about the actual program if they beat Michigan on November 16th, 
That'll sure solve some PR problems with the fan base. I don't know, man. It just feels different this year. I, I think that's how I've been, uh, you know, historically, that's how we are for sure. I don't even know. I, I mean, yeah, probably, especially if Michigan um, doesn't lose to anybody else. Goes eight and four, maybe if they lose to Ohio State, but they're close. Um, but, you know, we saw the way that, you know, the John O'Corn game and being Michigan that year, by the end of the year, it was, uh, okay, it was a really big win at the time. Didn't feel as big by the time the season ended because Michigan just kind of really struggled against everyone the rest of the way. Um, yeah, but that was different, though, because yeah. MSU ended up being 10-3. and three, And even though I think they were probably about a 7-5 and five or 8-4 and four team that right, right. had a couple good bounces, it, it feels different. If if you go 7-5, and yeah. five, if you go 8-4, and four, you know, with – with a win over Michigan, this feels really different. Michigan State has just That's true. had the unfortunate uh, thing of they, – they have had to play a top-10 team for three straight games. And for a team that right. is mediocre to good, that's going to go poorly. And it for went sure. poorly. But, you know, Michigan is still there. I think I don't think Michigan is a top-10 team. They're probably in that 10 to 15 range. But we know we know what this bye week is about at practice and it's not for prepping for Illinois you know that's true that's true no yeah I mean I think it also will probably to be honest I think where where this season might be different than seasons past is that it can't be just a win I think optically it has to be a win where it wasn't floopy um you know it doesn't have the weather excuse or an injury excuse and the offense actually has some success against a really good Michigan defense um yeah if they go out and win against Michigan in some ugly 13 to 10 game, it'll be good to beat Michigan, but it'll just feel like a relief and not an actual, okay, we beat Michigan. Um, but if we go out there and it gets into like a, you know, 31, 28 game or even, you know, a wider spread, then maybe I think at that point as an MSU fan, you can say, okay, yeah, this, this season wasn't terrible. We figured some things about our offense out against some teams, but just not in the month of October. Um, but yeah, that was probably about uh, about as good as uh, that's the way to make it look really good uh, yeah. compared to like it can't be an ugly win this year. Yeah. yeah, and I and I completely understand that, and I really and I know you might not be, but I'm really looking forward to this because it's going to be our first time covering the rivalry aspect of it. Um, and I'm really looking mm-hmm. forward to it. I, I kind of want to move on to what you're doing. And if you haven't heard about what Jeremy's doing, he's about to explain it to you. But it's really awesome, a really good idea uh, in terms of donating tickets that may be unused for the Illinois game. Uh, I'll, I'll let you talk about the whole thing. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was actually, it's, uh, I do have to give you a little bit of a shout out to you. So like when I was in high school, I remembered a, a program that, um it's funny now years later i figured out as david harns who some of you guys probably know from twitter uh covers msu with uh the only colors and everything um but he did a program where uh you know especially during the john l years and things like that there would just be a lot of unused tickets um and if you weren't going to use them he would uh take them as a donation and and find a kid to uh to go to the game so uh i had a feeling basically on (laughs) Sunday and Monday, I was just sitting there thinking, like, this feels like this is going to be a thing where, uh, you know, everyone 
doesn't come to the Illinois game, not because they had pre-made plans. They just want to do it as a protest. Uh, and they're not going to sell it on StubHub for any money, so they're just going to not go, uh, which I certainly get people's right to do that. But, um, you know, it kind of felt to, to me like, you know what, there's probably someone who would want to sit in that seat. So, yeah, so what I decided to do is I reached out to the Big Brothers Big Sisters uh, uh, office here in Lansing, um, kind of said, you know, hey, if we collected some tickets, would you guys be able to coordinate uh, giving them out to some kids and, and getting them to the game and everything? So, um, and they got back to me right away and said they would love to do that. So, yeah, so what I've been doing is if you have a ticket to the game or know anyone who uh, maybe they're getting ready for deer season, uh, they're going to be out of town doing whatever, um, and they're planning not to go to the game to just reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, I've been having people just mail it to my house. I'm going to put it together a big package and uh, drive it down to the office next week. I think we're at, depending on how many people are sending me uh, their tickets, because some people didn't give me their account, we're easily at probably 14 to 16 tickets so far. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, hopefully some kids that, you know, haven't had the easiest life or they may never get the chance to go to a game or afford to go to a game and, you know, at this point in their life, uh, get to go and experience them with a, with a mentor. And uh, while we may be able to sit there and say we would probably like to skip the Illinois game uh, because we have season tickets or we have that luxury, uh, you know, give it to someone who, you know, when you're a young kid, you don't know any of that stuff. You're just yeah. so excited to be there. So um, instead of taking it for granted, let's kind of give it back. And I think it's just a way to, uh, it's, it's the way that I decided to cope with <laughs> the fact that I am going to be going to Illinois. I'm going to miss Alabama LSU for it, uh, but I'm going to feel good about it because we're going to bring some kids and, they, you know, hopefully uh, they give uh, give it a good atmosphere. Yeah, and that is so awesome. And I think that's something that uh, Twitter has kind of done to it, it get it gets lost on all of us because we follow these sports so closely and get so emotionally invested that there used to be a time where we were going to a game was just going to a game, and if they won, oh cool, if right? They didn't win, oh, I still went to a a Michigan State game, and um, that, that gets lost on us. And I've noticed that about myself too. We're going to a Michigan game. It used to be like oh, this is awesome, but then I got season tickets for the last two years, and I can leave in a crappy mood, which never used to be me, but I guess that's growing up. But it's still a really right. awesome thing. And um, so definitely, if you have any tickets that you don't want to use for the Illinois game, at JD underscore Jarebear, uh, at him, let him know. And uh, it's, it's a really cool thing that you're doing. Uh, yeah, really like excited to see how it turns out for those kids. So it should be a blast. Hopefully, they get good. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely something that I'm uh, looking forward to doing. And uh, to be honest, it has not been. It's something that I might continue to do because it's not like it's been a. Uh, it hasn't been too hard to organize. It's been really cool to see the, the outreach and everything. So, um, you know, definitely, uh, it, it works in multiple ways because I, I love it to give it back to the kids, but I also. I hate seeing an empty stadium, especially like it seems like every year, even when MSU is good, senior day is half empty because it's bad weather, Thanksgiving, and people don't want to come. And it just feels awful when you send your seniors out with a really quiet crowd. So hopefully yeah. we can uh, kind of start to turn that tide a little bit. Yep. And uh, yeah, I completely agree. Um, it is time to move on. 
to Michigan versus Notre Dame. Uh, do you have any questions for me? I, I'm in a good mood. Let's just uh, you can ask me <laughs> questions and I'll I'll answer how I so, feel. <laughs> yeah, so I was in and out on this game uh, that night. I think I turned it off at some point, and we started to just basically some point in the second half. I just kind of turned it off. But I mean, uh, the big thing I took out of it was. I think the big storyline coming out of it was that Brian Kelly threw the ball a lot, which yes, in those conditions was, uh, was not going to work out, but I don't really know what choice he had. You guys were so stout against the run. His, so everybody's kind of clowning on him for doing that. His yards per attempt throwing the ball was still higher than the yards per carry when he was trying to run the ball. And that Michigan's defense, so this was the last point I was going to make, is I don't actually think this defensive performance is going to correlate much for the future because uh, Notre Dame's offense, I I don't see another team on our schedule with one similar to that, and we're probably not going to get weather again like that the rest of the season. But it was – what an amazing night for the defense. They were just balling out. They were confident, and it it was really good to see Cam McGrone – you know, maybe the national pundits. He was awesome. Yeah, the national pundits and stuff might be calling it his breakout game, and but I, I've, we've been Michigan fans have seen it for almost a month now. Uh, he is just a really, really skilled player, and once he puts it all together mentally with knowing the system, he has. I'm not saying he's going to be Devin Bush, but he has Devin Bush potential, and uh, a game where they couldn't really throw was just perfect for him. Uh, just swarming to the ball. Uh, and, and then the offense, you know, this is a Michigan team that hasn't been able to run the ball. And I have the stats written here, 303 rushing yards. They threw the ball four times in the first half. Why? How did this happen? And it's because they went back to the systems that they were running in the second half of last year, which is what helped Karan Higdon get to over a thousand yards and, uh, have the season that he did. And they kind of went back to those concepts while still incorporating some of Josh Gaddis' stuff. I mean, I I don't want to even be so over the moon about it because I know we have two fan bases listening to this, and it was a really rough time for one of those fan bases. But, um, <laughs> you know, anytime you get to beat Notre Dame 45 to 14, like, oh, you awesome. enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. So – one thing that I guess I had a question as a, you know, I was kind of watching it on mute, kind of half paying attention, also uh, uh, flipping around watching some hockey and things like that on Saturday night um, was, so is there like a running back controversy now or what's going on? Not a controversy, I guess it always helps to have two running backs, but um, hey man, you might have someone else that can run the ball. Uh, yeah, in that's what I put in my notes. It was a it was a Hassan Haskins breakout game. I mean, you know, he he undoubtedly got the better blocking than Charbonnet did. Like one hundred percent. Sometimes that's just how it happens. Is certain plays get blocked better, and that leads to a better yardage output. But I I think him and Charbonnet played very similar games, and it, he never got brought down by the first defender. It seemed. You know, I don't know if that's true. No, I haven't not all night. the film. But every night, he was. it looked like he was making at least one person miss and then getting those extra couple of yards. Uh, definitely a breakout game for him, whereas I said it wasn't for McGrown, and we've known this. 
Haskins has been solid the last couple weeks, but he hasn't fumbled the ball, first of all. Huge win. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, yeah, to, to see him get almost 150 Saturday. yards, uh, it, it was really, really, really cool to see. And then Charbonnet was no slouch, got almost 80, 80 yards and uh, two scores. So, I mean, obviously it was going to be a really good day for the running backs with that blocking and that weather. But just really good to see that Michigan might have two young running backs that seem like really quality Big Ten backs already. For sure. Yeah, I think uh, that is going to be something that if they can if they can pound the rock like that and uh, get that for these next few weeks, they could really uh, evolve. And like you said, it can be uh, – it, it came across Saturday night watching it was like maybe – I think it's going a lot on like, hey, Gaddis is figuring out how to call a game. But I'm starting to wonder – because we know Jim before has – had more of a role in the play calling and maybe overstepped or things like that. I wonder if they kind of had a, like they've reached their uh, like relationship to where they're kind of melting together. And that could they be. had a feel of, had a feel of Jim, you know, getting his ear like, Hey, we do need to run the ball a little bit more. The weather is going to force that, but here's what I want. I need us to run some heavy run game, but I also am still going to be allowing you to call your game too. Um, and it, hey, the results were great. So if that's what happened, that's that's what you want. They they looked awesome. Yeah, they did. They, I mean, and they, I cannot. I mean, that was an ass whooping. It was. It, and that's, I have the yardage totals right here. So Michigan outrushed Notre Dame 303 to 47. The passing total was 134 to 133 in favor of Michigan, which brought the total yardage to 437 to 180 that is I I mean it's just not even close and this was a top 10 Notre Dame team now there are arguments I know Chris Fowler you might not have heard this because you had the sound off but Chris Fowler kept going on and on about how disappointing it was Notre Dame didn't show up but um and they might not have been all there mentally but just a really really good performance uh for Michigan and, you know, it's funny. I went back and listen, re-listened to our Big Ten against the spread because I lost the paper and didn't know who we picked and needed to figure out who <laughs> won. Uh, but I, I mentioned that I, I predicted a Michigan win, and I said I think that Penn State second half really was a turning point for the season. For sure. And I thought Michigan would win by 4-7, to seven, and they ended up being mm-hmm. closer to winning by 47. So, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it just was – an incredible game for Michigan fans. Yeah. Uh, big win for Jim Harbaugh, I think, because you definitely saw a new energy in all of his press stuff this week. It seemed like he had just felt tired of it all season. And, um, you, you know, he his quote is uh, the best. He said, winning is the best cure. And, oh, boy, was it. And, and I mean, we'll, we'll move on into Maryland. But, like, do you know how – yeah, freaking awesome it was to know that we don't have to see that that team for 14 years. We don't have to see them for 14 or 15 <laughs> years. And uh, yeah, I saw this. I forget who it was. I think uh, he was one of your linemen. Um, or maybe Steven Spinellas had a Spinellas had a great tweet about that about like uh, like wearing that L for 14 years or something. Yeah. It was great. 
Yeah, it, yeah. It really, really cool. Because, I, I mean, I felt the reverse of that five years ago in 2014. We didn't know when the next time we'd see them was, and they shut us out at home. So it's nice being on the other end of it. Uh, but we, we, let, we can move on to Maryland. And to be honest, I don't have much to say. Like, Maryland sucks. The, the, there is one interesting point about it is uh, the two, like, co-offensive coordinators for Alabama last year were Josh Gaddis and Mike Loxley. And so they're going to be going head-to-head. Uh, so we can really see who was the brains of that operation, even though one of them is playing with a bunch of three to five stars and the other is playing with two to four stars. Um, but really, Michigan just has to keep the momentum going into the bye week. They – you know, yeah. it, it felt like last well, year think, they had that big three-game stretch where they literally beat the shit out of Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Penn State while they were all ranked. And then they went and took a couple games against some B-level schools uh, in between that and Ohio State, and they kind of just got through those games. This is where you want to see them just pound them into the dirt, uh, similar to the Notre Dame game. For sure. And I said, I was thinking uh, when you were kind of talking about um, Jim seemed like uh, a little bit more, a different mentality this week. I was kind of thinking, you know, I don't think he's ever had that problem with the big games. This will be a good test of did, did the team and Jim really turn a corner last week or was it they are a good team about getting up for a big game, which to be fair, they didn't do that against Wisconsin. So no matter what, this was some, step forward but you know Jim comes from like old school Michigan when you guys did play Notre Dame every year it was a really important rivalry to him uh you know I think this is going to be a good test like this week and and for sure I think the Indiana week um between Michigan State and Ohio State there uh to see if this team can bring that because they have this mentality sometimes of playing down and so I think that's the one thing I I don't think Maryland's going to beat you guys but I, that would be the thing I look for. Does Maryland make it uncomfortably close? Yeah. Where I mean, it's Michigan a 21, feels like they're playing down again. And it's a 21-point spread, and we'll make our picks later. But uh, that's really going to be my key is to seeing the progress is do they cover the spread? I mean, you yeah. got to really hope they idea. can. If they cover the spread, then I'm feeling really good going into that bye week and into the Michigan State game. Mm-hmm. If, if this ends mm-hmm. up being like a 14-point game, and I mean, obviously details matter. I'm not talking in black and yeah, white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's a bunch of a late scores or something that have Maryland cover, whatever. But, yeah, I, and that's really my metric. I know uh, we do that key stat usually. And uh, really, it's just I hope they cover. And that's how I will feel yeah. better for the rest of the season. Because I think at this point for Michigan, the goal is absolutely be 9-2 and two heading into that Ohio State game. And don't lose until then. And it would hurt to lose to them again for the, I think, 132nd year in a row. But, you know, they're the best team in the country at this point. So – Sure, people are going to be pissed, and people are going to do the Owen Harbaugh's Owen Five thing, but really, to be a successful season for Michigan, be nine and two, go into that game, and then see how it goes. Uh, but that's really all I have for Michigan Maryland. Do you have anything else? No, no, that was about uh, all I had too. Was just kind of the more looking for a narrative because I think 
if we broke it down position by position, we would know obviously Michigan's better at every position. Yeah, and they um, should welcome. So I think that's yeah, that's a narrative thing. I did want to, before we move on past the uh, Michigan football though, I do want to give a shout out to uh, to what something that I was really happy to see Michigan doing. Um, which probably we maybe should have done some of the news stuff up front, but uh, I do really want to give uh, some kudos. Not enough MSU fans give Jim kudos when he does good things, but I think keeping a young man on scholarship when he uh, committed to you as a quarterback and he can't even arrive on campus and play is a really good move. Um, yeah, completely so, missed that. So to keep JD, that's a good point. Yeah, to keep JD, uh, it's JD Johnson, right? Is his name? Yes, yes. He was right. in 2021. Which you may know him from uh, like the QB1 show on Netflix. He was on there a little bit. Uh, actually went to the same high school as Brian Lewerke. Um, was supposed to be Michigan's quarterback in next year's class, but has a, uh, a heart condition that he uh, unfortunately is forced to retire. Um, yeah. But good news is they caught it. Nothing tragic ever happened. Uh, but I really wanted to give a shout out, you know, I'm just, and I wonder, you know, he may end up on, uh, on staff as like a volunteer assistant or team manager. And that'll be cool too. But I just want to say really cool move by Jim to, uh, you know, he would have gotten, maybe he would have caught some flack if he didn't do it, but I don't think that played into his mind at all. I think he made the right move and he deserves some really good praise for that. Yeah. And, and that's something that, He's been consistent with, right? Because uh, sure. I don't know if yeah. you know about this, but a couple of years ago, Corey, Mer- Corey Malone Hatcher was a recruit in, the, I think, the 2017 class yep. that also had to medically retire before he could even play a snap. And I think they honored his scholarship as well. And it's, it is something yeah. that makes you happy to see. I meant to put it in our news and just completely forgot about it. But, yeah, good good job. Uh, way to go bringing that up because that that is nice. It's kind of something I – think is taken for granted because there are other schools and coaches that value every single scholarship maybe more than the humanity of just giving it to people um yeah and michigan's shown a good job across sports too right i mean you have uh basketball's done that too yeah um, with i believe it's austin hatch is the, yes. the main league with the, the airplane crashes and and really he never got a chance to really play uh at the level that he was expected to be at which you totally understand with all the injuries and what he's been through. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, good, good on Jim. I think heck of a week for, <laughs> for the Michigan uh, narratives out there, but that one's not a contrived narrative. That's just a straight up. That's a good, good story. And, uh, and despite what uh, we may just like about him or, or find kind of weird about him, he does really seem to genuinely get the college athlete experience. And I think that's uh that's really should be commended when you see people doing stuff like that. Yeah, completely agree. And uh, with that, we're going to get to our last football item, which is our weekly Big Ten against the spread. Um, I want to give a shout out, shout out to I think his name is at, at Eric Seeds on Twitter. Yeah, uh, it, and I, I think he's a friend of yours, but he yep. actually he played the game with us, which I thought was just awesome, and uh, made put his picks in. Um, so if we're going to count him in the standings. So, by the way, congratulations, Jeremy. You got your second win. You're on a roll. You're catching up. So, I'm, I'm feeling the footsteps. I'm getting a little bit nervous. However, uh, yeah, Eric was close to you. I was in last. I had a rough week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so that's cool. So, please, if you're listening to this, if you feel like you want to make your picks with us, 
definitely tweet them at us. You give me our individual accounts or at podcast divided is our uh, Twitter handle officially for the show. But uh, let's all play along together and I'll try and win some money. Um, so let's get into the picks this week. Light Big Ten for schedule. Sure. Uh, only four games. It's a light. I feel like, uh, so I do some like fantasy college football, not taking it super serious, but just for like some friends. And like half my roster was on a bye. I feel like it's just a national bye week. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I would have said that even if uh, MSU didn't have a bye, but obviously MSU having a bye makes it even more uh, relevant to me. But yeah, there's, it's just a light week period. It feels like really weird. Yeah. So let's dive in. Um, the first game is – I feel like I make these same Big Ten West jokes every week, but that division <laughs> is just so putrid. Uh, Nebraska at Purdue. Nebraska is a two-point favorite. Yeah, I know. See, like, it, it's funny to laugh and be like, ah, yeah, but then you hear the game and it's like, Jesus. Uh, so Nebraska is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, the next one's Michigan, so I'll let you go first on that. This one, so I can go first next time. Who do you? Oh got? man, it's just so awful right now for Scott Frost and the clown shoes that he is, where his players are apologizing to him after he's doing a terrible job of coaching. I don't, I don't know, man. It, I, I feel like if Purdue's going to have one where with all the injuries they fight back and get a, get a win, it would be this game. Um, but I'm actually going to stick with the Huskers. I think that they're the better team. Uh, Purdue is just too injured, too wore out. Uh, and I just I think it's going to end up being uh, Nebraska gets off the mat here and, and gets a win. Might be ugly, but they're going to cover the two and a half. Yeah, I'm with you here. I, I initially had Purdue. And then I recognized my own bias and was like, dude, you've lost like three or four games just by picking Purdue. You need to knock it off. And so <laughs> I, I was about 50-50 on this game, but I took Nebraska too. Um, so we're the same on that one. Uh, now on to the next one is Michigan at Maryland. Michigan's a 21-point favorite. And I know it could be it's it's the easiest option for me riding that high from the Notre Dame game, but I'm taking Michigan to cover and I could just be being hopeful, but Maryland has been really bad, man. Like Maryland lost by 42 to Minnesota and Minnesota might be good, but not, not good enough to lose by 42 to them. So I'm taking Michigan minus 21. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm taking Michigan too. Uh, in the spirit of Maryland football, I think they're on a backup quarterback like they always are by this point in the season. Um, uh, and Harbaugh has always just beaten the hell out of Maryland. I don't know what the school of Maryland did to him in his life, but he loved beating the hell out of them, um, especially when DJ Durkin was there. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say I, I think they cover uh, Josh Gaddis gets to feel – uh, some vindication after he took a lot of uh, flack with Mike Loxley putting up a bunch of points at the beginning of the year and Gaddis struggling. I think he'll run this one up a little bit to, to just drive it home. So, um, yeah, so give me Michigan plus the points. I, and I don't even think they struggle to cover. They, they cover that easy. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, move on to, uh, you know, if Illinois had had a couple different weeks lately, we could call it the toilet bowl but I'll refrain from that. It's Rutgers at Illinois. 
Illinois is at home and is a 20-and-a-half-point favorite. Illinois is a 20-and-a-half-point favorite <laughs> against Rutgers. Uh, it's, it's your turn. What do you got? All right. So, yeah, they really took it to Purdue. All right, I'm going to do it. I'm taking Rutgers. I don't, I don't think Rutgers wins. Oh my don't, God. don't miss that. But uh, I think they cover. They, they did a pretty good job. Liberty is not a great team by any means, but yeah, Rutgers I was the only there. one to get that. Seven and a half point underdog. And uh, they covered. So, not, not that they covered, they won. Yeah, they, so, they got um, the outright win. Home dogs. Yeah, so I think. I think they do enough. It might be something ugly like a backdoor cover at the end of the game, but I think they cover the 20 and a half. Um, you know, Illinois feels comfortable the whole time, but, but uh, Rutgers just keeps it close enough. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm going to go with Illinois because they've looked good the last two weeks. They haven't looked like, okay. They've actually looked good, which is weird. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I think they're going to beat Rutgers by over 21 points. Um, they're just – Rutgers is the worst team, one of the worst teams in FBS right now, and I I don't think it'll be remotely close. Uh, that brings us to our last game somehow. Um, Northwestern at Indiana. Indiana is 11.5 point favorite at home. I'm taking Indiana. Uh, just because with Michael Penix, if he is back this week, I think he missed a game against Nebraska. But if Indiana, uh, I think if he plays, they'll easily cover. And if I think Ram, I think if Ramsey plays, they'll still cover. Uh, so I'm gonna take Indiana. Yeah, I keep trying to think that Northwestern's gonna have the Northwestern game where they uh, usually, even if they're just like an eight and four team, one of those wins was still punching above their weight. Uh, but they have just shown nothing on offense this year. Um, and Indiana's defense isn't terrible enough. Uh, so I'm going to take Indiana, too, to cover that one. Okay, so we only are so – our... <laughs> It comes week down, come to, down Rutgers to Rutgers at Illinois. Game, baby. <laughs> yeah, all right. So that's fun. Uh, it, our only disagreement was Rutgers at Illinois. He, you have Rutgers at Illinois. Uh, so it'll be a fun week. I mean, not really. None of these games are good, but, you know. <laughs> no, um, these are bad. Watch, uh, so, watch Memphis and SMU, folks. That's about what you got this week. <laughs> yep. So we are heading into ho- our hockey segment. Michigan State played Colorado College, got the split last weekend. Michigan also got a split against Western. We're going to dive into all of this, but you need to talk about – oh, Jesus. Oh, man. Okay, everything's okay. Just something moved. <laughs> Um, hopefully that didn't come in too loud and you all got screwed in your car. Um, I'm going to have you talk about that Colorado college series and your certain rant while I go pee. I will be back very soon. Give entertain the listeners. (laughs) All right. So yeah, uh, played Colorado college last weekend. Um, you know, of course it's 2019 for some reason you still can't find uh, Division One college hockey every single game streaming somewhere for free, uh, which is either for free or just I've already paid for cable. Let me have it on uh, BTN Plus for free and pick up the feed. But uh, so that is my that's I believe the rant that Brandon wanted me to uh, cover here. But um, yeah, so the Spartans Friday night uh, once again did not provide any goal help to Drew DeRitter. 
uh, came out and lost 3-1. And really, it was a 3-0 game until very late. Uh, they added like a, a late power play goal Friday night um, just to make it 3-1 to one even. So pretty ugly uh, Friday night effort, which hasn't usually been the case under Dan and Cole. They've been a good Friday night team. They've sometimes just struggled to close the series out on Saturday. Uh, but then Saturday they came back, um, really had a great start. They went up 3 nothing, seven and a half minutes into the game. Uh, Patrick Kodorenko had uh, a few assists Saturday night. To, uh, to add to that, he's still looking for his first goal. Uh, but the interesting thing Saturday night was that uh, Dan Cole decided to break up Patrick Kodorenko and Mitch Lewandowski, um, which he said he was doing to help kind of spur some offense throughout. And Mitch Lewandowski did get his first goal of the season as well. So, uh, and they ended up uh, winning that one five to one. So, I am back. Uh, not a bad split. <laughs> All right, thanks, man. Uh, not a bad split for uh, for MSU. Colorado College also split with Minnesota, so I think that's a good good kind of barometer for where where we're at in the season right now. And they continue to have depth scoring, which was what we talked about preseason. So if they can keep that going, uh, maybe they do better than uh, predicted this year. Yeah. So I heard your last bit about how they. Uh... They broke up Kodoranko and Lewandowski. Um, yep. And, and you're right. That's, it is a good split uh, considering Colorado College's result against Minnesota, who appears to be a pretty good team this year as well. Um, so were you able to watch these games? No. And it's 2019, Brendan. 2019. I know. And we have to wait for basketball season to not have certain games on Friday or Saturday. And then we have to not have any football at all for the big 10 network or any other network to care about, you know, even offering streaming, which is just outrageous. And, drives me nuts. And MSU, of course, you know, there's schools like Bowling Green that can stream every game, but MSU doesn't have a streaming partner for their hockey team. Uh, and now we don't have an AD who's ever been in athletics. So I'm not holding my breath on that happening. It's, I, I get that hockey is a niche sport. Uh, totally understand. But uh, when other sports are streaming easier than hockey, you feel like, can we at least just be equal to them? I'm not asking for better, just asking for equal. Um, it's ridiculous. Uh, I completely It agree. really is. It really is. And it's, it's ridiculous, especially when you think that what I, for me, as someone who didn't want to leave the CCHA, didn't want the Big Ten Hockey Conference, I understood the growth of the game could be better. People understand the Big Ten, all of that. Uh, part of the pitch was that you're going to be able to show the sport more, and they've just continuously can pull back how much they put the Big Ten on their network. So um, I don't understand it. It's, it's so frustrating to basically only get to watch – intra-conference games or inter-conference games I want to see the whole season but you know maybe in the next 10 years Brendan I watch junior hockey for my job I can watch every junior hockey game from Fargo North Dakota easier than I can watch a division one hockey team and that's not a lie it's maddening it, it is maddening and the fact that Michigan and Michigan State maybe Michigan a little bit more because the added resources and just the literal money cannon that they have 
that they don't have a deal with Fox Sports Detroit to even get games on the the alternate channel, even if the Pistons right. or Red Wings are on, is insane. Because like we're proclaiming ourselves hockey town, and Michigan is so enamored with hockey but then our college teams are only on tv eight to ten games a year and like if you take a road game that's not in conference you have no guarantee that you're going to be able to see it even if you pay ten dollars a month for the big 10 streaming service it's it's mad on top of that i i pay five dollars a month for espn plus and i can watch soccer from italy i can watch every grand valley football home game I can watch the Dayton Flyers, shout out Eric, the Dayton Flyers <laughs> FCS football games. And the Ivy League is able to get every single home game for their hockey team and all their sports on ESPN+. Plus. Big yeah. Ten, just do that. Just, yeah, just but do they that. never will because they want to put out their bullshit Big Ten Plus product and get oh, $10 yeah. a month from so suckers that are just going to pay for it because they want any shot at seeing their team, even though they've proven they're not competent enough to deliver it consistently. It's, and for those of you who have never experienced Big Ten Plus because you would only buy it for a preseason basketball game and you would never do that, let me tell you, when they show hockey games at Michigan, they are showing you the feed of a camera shooting what is on the big screen at Michigan's arena. That is what you are getting is the in-house, whatever the camera operators are on the video screen. So you're not getting replays as much. You're not getting zooms. It gets better in conference once the actual schedule gets going. Yeah, yeah, but for the the non-conference games, you're dead on. And it's, oh, it drives me nuts because there's no scoreboard on the screen. I I don't even know what to expect on a week-to-week basis because it changes depending on where Michigan's playing. They're at Ohio State this weekend. And I don't know the quality that I'm going to get from Big Ten Plus on those streams. I don't even know if I'm going to get to watch it because sometimes they just can't figure it out. Uh, it's brutal. It's brutal. But this week I will get to see MSU because I will be in the arena um, as they host uh, number four in the country, Cornell, who I would love to give you a lot of information about. But this will be the first game they've played all season. So, uh, so the Ivies, the Ivies don't start when everyone else does because of fake academic reasons. Like there's no other way to call it. Um, you know, they they say it's about because I think they're on the quarter system. They they say it's academics. It's even the coaches for the Ivy schools have said they hate this. They want to start when everyone else does. Um, all of that, but yes, yeah, they have not played. They've played the U.S. under 18 team and they've played their Canadian school exhibition, but that's all they've played. So, uh, so that could be something that MSU looks to use to their advantage. Yeah, that's an opportunity. uh, With a, yeah, it certainly worked last year. They went out to Cornell last year uh, and actually swept Cornell, who ended up being an NCAA tournament team and a really, really good team, uh, and was probably the best win, for sure, the best sweep of the season for MSU. So uh, they shouldn't be intimidated. They shouldn't be uh, just looking at them being number four in the country and scared of that at all. Um, but it's hard to know what we're going to see out of Cornell when this will be their first game. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it'll be really interesting. Are you thinking split would be good or are you aiming to sweep them again? What, what, what's the goal 
Uh, I think going in with the goal of a sweep uh, is probably a little bit too much to ask when they are still, I mean, that number four ranking is deserved. Yeah. I don't think that's fake. Um, but I think if you get out Friday night and you really play on their rustiness, uh, you're going to give yourself the chance to get the sweep Saturday. So that's going to be the goal is to come out, come out Friday, really jump on them early. Um, you know, they are going to still be working pairings through. They're going to be working their lines through. Uh, and MSU should feel a little more set in what they want to roll with. So get out early, uh, maybe get some power plays because their legs aren't quite under them and they're taking some of those hooking penalties and, uh, you know, just kind of the, the things that you can take advantage of. And then you go into Saturday and you just kind of play loose and see what you can get. Um, I think that's probably the best way to do it. If you lose Friday night uh, and they come back with some confidence Saturday, I'd be nervous about getting swept. So, yeah, uh, so yeah we'll, we'll take the split, but I think uh, uh, sweep is possible just because of all the, the factors that go into it. Yeah, definitely. It's a very high variance series, I think, being that it's Cornell's first. Um, and, and that brings us to Michigan versus Western Michigan, the series that was played last weekend. Uh, full disclosure, I didn't get to watch any of this either. Friday night, I was at the Flint Firebirds game. Uh, just a quick story about that. It was crazy. I go in there, and, you know, the number two prospect in next year's NHL draft plays for the team that Flint is playing, Sudbury Wolves. Uh, his name is Quentin Byfield. So when I go there, I have these vouchers for tickets, and I'm handing them in. She's like, do you have a seating preference? So I said, yeah, uh, if you could put me on the side that Sudbury shoots on twice. Um, I, I don't really have a commitment. I literally live halfway between Flint and Saginaw. So I, I don't commit to rooting for either team, like, religiously. I just kind of go and watch the games of whatever team is good that year. And so I didn't really care about the Firebirds. I'll always root for them, but I wanted to be able to see Byfield shoot twice. Um, and they ended up giving me a seat in row two on the glass in the corner. Uh, <laughs> so, I, so I got a pretty good look at Quentin Byfield. Uh, I did get got by this because it was a 5-2 win for Flint. I shit you not, all seven goals came on the other end of the ice. So that was a bummer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got got. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, it was a good you gotta time. believe in the home team more. Yeah, I was actually there with my girlfriend, and then uh, we have two mailbag questions. One of them is from Twitter user at chw35 Charles. He's a good friend of mine. We were there together, but yeah, it was a uh, it was still a fun time. But it's just hilarious. Um, but getting so I, that's the reason I didn't watch the game against Western on Friday, and then Saturday, uh, I'm pretty sure I would have had to pay for something extra just to watch one Western Michigan game, or it wasn't available. Not sure either way, but of I didn't course. get to see either of them. Uh, just looking at the box score, so the split is okay, especially with it being a home and home. Um, I was saying in this weekend, the split is the goal, but if you could get that road win and make it a sweep or just get the road win period, it would be awesome. Didn't work out. They lost 4-1 on Saturday night after a 4-0 home win. But another shutout is really good to see for Strauss Mann. Um, Will Lockwood continues scoring, uh, has got two more goals this weekend. And Cam York is back, which is pretty big for this upcoming weekend against Ohio State. Um, but yeah, it was a solid series from looking at the box score and I don't really have much to say about it. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard. It's so early in our season for uh, a lot of deep dive, but yeah, Strauss man continues to look solid. This weekend is going to be a big test for that. Ohio State's oh, yeah. always a team that can score. Uh, I think they lost a lot off of last season, but some, I can't remember if I made the pick or who I picked to win the big 10, but I think I had them in my top two um, for sure is Ohio state. So I think this is going to be a really good test. Uh, it'll be the one game or one weekend all season that there's more than 2000 people inside of Valley city arena for an Ohio state hockey game. Yep. It's the most terrible atmosphere ever. Well, the whole state of Ohio, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, so it'll be, I mean, this is a big, uh, big early test and, but they've, you guys have warmed up. You've played Clarkson, you played Western. I think you're going to be ready for them. Um, yeah, this should be a good, this will really test his Strauss man for real. Yeah. Uh, well, this is going to be a good offense. Yeah. And Ohio state is a team where like, uh, I believe they opened up, they tied Western. They, I think split a series with, it was somebody else. Uh, forgive me. I don't remember. Um, and then they, they swept Mercyhurst, which every big 10 team would do. So that's not much. Mm-hmm. So they, they don't really have enough of a track record to, be terrified of them however they were the preseason expectation of being the top tier of the big 10 um especially on the road in columbus uh really i think the goal here is a split Uh, if you can sweep them that would be a little bit insane it would be awesome but um i don't think that's the goal here i think if you can hunker down win that friday night game you'll be happy and just go put up a good fight saturday so, like I said, I think a split is probably the goal here. Um, yeah, yeah. So, the other series they had was they uh, they did split with Nebraska-Omaha at home. Oh, yeah. Not a great team. Um, and the thing that maybe gives uh, Michigan some some hope there is that they only scored four goals on the weekend against Omaha. Uh, three one night, one the next. So, uh, the most they've scored outside of, again, Mercyhurst, they, they blew up Friday night for a seven-goal effort. Uh, the most they've scored is three, three times. Uh, they haven't been shut out by any means, so they, they're scoring in every game. But they haven't been the same team like last year. They probably would have whooped up on Omaha both nights. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, maybe they're having some early season struggles too. Finding They had to replace a ton of scoring. So, uh, you know, maybe they're having a little bit of uh, trouble getting, getting the, the offense going. So, uh, like you said, if they can jump out Friday, uh, Strauss has a good game going to Saturday. See what you can do. Yeah, and that should be the goal. Um, it'll be. I, I tell you what, this uh, first weekend. I know Michigan State's out of conference, but like even tonight, we had Penn State, Wisconsin going on. It's the first weekend of Big Ten play, and I'm really excited to see how things turn out. Um, but yeah, I really hope they can get a split. Uh, it'll be interesting no matter what happens. Can't wait to talk about it uh, later this week. Uh, and that brings us into our season preview for Michigan basketball. Um, so first we'll go into position by p- position. Then we can hit the coaching philosophy and the coaching change and then talk about season expectations. So to start off with the point guard position, the one, uh, you have returning uh, all Big Ten. I think he was the, the second, uh, second team, all Big Ten last year, point guard Xavier Simpson. Uh, obviously he's just, you, you kind of know who he is. He isn't going to kill you from three point range. He isn't really going to kill you on offense, but he is a gnat 
defensively. He will not quit getting after you. And outside of about one point guard on the schedule, I think he's going to give every single point guard he plays a bunch of trouble. And obviously that one remaining one is Cassius Winston, who is probably the best point guard in the country. Um, so, you know, Xavier Simpson, we know who he is. I think the more interesting story here is who's backing him up. And that's David DeJulius. So David DeJulius had a pretty nothing freshman year. He didn't really get much time because Xavier Simpson can play almost 40 minutes a game if you need him to. And he was a freshman point guard in a beeline system. And that just historically, being a freshman point guard in the beeline system doesn't go well for you. The only one to actually get consistent time and do well with it has been Trey Burke. Um, so, but early, the, the secret scrimmage and the open scrimmage they had, the open practice, is revealing – Great, what it rain. Yeah. David DeJulius went – Seven of eight from three-point range in the uh, in the secret scrimmage against Detroit Mercy for 21 points. And apparently he was hitting threes with consistency uh, in the open practice as well. I didn't get to go, but that's really encouraging. Not that you need a ton of backup minutes at the one with when you have Xavier Simpson, but it's still really positive to know that you have another person on that roster outside of Franz Wagner that is going to feel comfortable taking threes. Uh, and probably good for him because uh, he's probably going to have some of those nights where he, he's trying to shoot himself hot, uh, you know, um, like Jordan Poole maybe a little bit, but he's probably going to get a little more leash than he would have with uh, Beeline there. So he might be someone that gets a good bounce for honestly from – uh, we know Jawan's gonna be great for the big men on campus, but maybe he'll uh, he'll get a nice bounce just from getting a longer leash too. Because yeah, yeah, it's uh, reports are he's ready to be, uh, you know, do some Philip Seymour Hoffman, just making it rain out there. Yeah, and, and that's really the hope for Michigan. You have to. This team does not have a lot of three point touch, and so that is huge news going into the year. And hopefully, we see it early. Um, that's gonna and also at the point guard position, we might see a couple minutes a game from Eli Brooks, but I doubt it. He's more suited for the uh, shooting guard position too, uh, and he'll probably start uh, to start the year at least. Um, a lot of people thought that Franz Wagner might have been a six man, might have started at the two, but he unfortunately fractured his wrist and will not be available till late November, early December. So we're probably gonna be seeing Eli Brooks start at the two, and. I think this coaching change might be good for Eli uh, just because he – I, I kind of feel like under Beeline, he just never was able to try anything offensively. And maybe playing a looser style of basketball might help him. I'm really not sure. Uh, but he's going to be good defensively. And that's going to be a theme across this roster is that – Lots of good defensive players. Um, also at the two, we're probably going to see Franz, spend a, Franz Wagner spend a lot of time there once he's healthy. Um, and then Adrian Nunez is also going to be a sophomore who's coming in whose thing was being a three-point shooter. And a lot of Michigan fans are hoping he can come break into that lineup. Uh, not a lot of stuff I'd heard out of camp and out of the secret scrim scrimmage about him but 
you got to hope he can break out and also jump in and just hit threes. Um, and then you might see DeJulius get a lot of his minutes at the two just because it's hard to take Xavier Simpson off the court. Um, getting into the uh, small forward position, we're going to see Isaiah Livers there most of the time. He's been a four his, most of his career at Michigan, but he is going to probably slide down in the lineup because of Brandon Johns and play the three. Uh, all this being said, Juwan Howard is all for positionless basketball. So, you know, I would, it, these are pretty fluid, but Isaiah Livers is a player who in his first two years has been a consistent uh, three-point shooter, but has not been able to create his own shot. So that's the key that I'm looking for. A lot of reports say he looks a lot more athletic this year. Uh, maybe has a little bit more freedom. And it'll be really interesting to see if he can figure out how to create his own shot. Uh, Isaiah Levers is probably one of the most fun players on this team, and I'm sure he's going to be a four-year player. So uh, he, he's, he's going to be a fan favorite for sure. Um, and then Franz Wagner might get time at that position as well, depending on what lineup they're trying to go for once he's healthy again. That's a position where they are really, really thin, though. I don't see much action on the roster that can really fit this role. Uh, obviously, they'll put somebody there, but uh, that that's probably my chief point of concern outside of the lack of three-point shooting is uh, not having a player that really suits this uh small forward role. Yeah, it seems like that's going to be a little bit of a weak spot for you guys. Yeah. Um, now to, to kind of go into power forward, it's a really interesting position because we have sophomore Brandon Johns, who is recovering from a sprained ankle, but apparently is supposed to play tomorrow night in the exhibition against Saginaw Valley State. Um but he is a player who, coming out of high school, he, he actually played in Lansing. And do, do you know if MSU wanted him and he just chose Michigan or if it was a thing where Tom Izzo didn't give him enough of a look and didn't really care to recruit him that hard and beeline got him? Uh, do you know? So, yeah, so MSU has had this happen last year a couple of times. The one that always hurt me in high school was uh, – <laughs> so when we have a couple guys in the Lansing area, because Lansing is pretty decent as far as basketball recruiting. So when you have uh, small classes and everything, uh, it can just lead to uh, some some years. You can only take a couple, one person maybe, and it just leads you to not get someone that you also would have liked. Uh, that happened when I was in high school when we chose – oh, man, I can't remember the guy's name now, but we chose someone over Al Horford. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to remember who it was, actually. It would have been uh, – oh, man. Yeah, I'm going to vamp a little bit while I uh, look this up here. But, yeah, um, yeah so I think that was kind of the story. Uh, it was Goran Sutan, by the way, who we took over. Uh, Al Horford didn't totally piss me That's off. That Al Horford went to the same high school as me. Um, but, yeah, I think Brandon Johns uh, was just – I think Benham was focused on a little bit more. Uh, Marcus Bainham was probably their priority at that position. Um, Bainham and Kithier. So I think if Bainham and Kithier would have gone somewhere else or were in different classes, uh, Brandon definitely would have been uh, prioritized by Izzo, but he was probably like third pick after those two. And when you get those two to commit, um, you know, that, that was part of why 
Izzo, I think Izzo was in on him, but I don't think he was a priority uh, compared to the other two. Yeah. And so Brandon Johns, he's a super athletic uh, power forward out of Lansing. Michigan got him on campus. Uh, he really only had one game last year where he stood out, and it was when there was some foul trouble in a home game against Indiana, and he just absolutely went off. Not offensively. I mean, he had like eight to ten points, but he also uh, got a really nice block on – oh, my God, is this going to kill me? Who was their center last year that was really, really good for Indiana? Um, so not Romeo? <laughs> no, no, not Romeo. Um, it was – I'm going to look this up. But either way, he really only got out in one game. And John's – he has a potential. Um, it seemed a lot like last year that uh, they were switching him between the four and the five position, and he was just getting confused with his defensive responsibilities. Um, and a lot, there's a lot of hope that with the clear path to starting at the four, he's going to have an explosive year. He's also going to have a chance to learn from one of the best big men in, uh, I'm not going to say best big men in NBA history, but certainly somebody who is going to be able to teach him a lot of things and so on. Um, so hoping for a breakout year from him, some people you might also see at the four position is Isaiah Livers covering there. Uh, that's where he's been playing his first two years, so it wouldn't be a huge surprise to see him there again. And then Colin Castleton, who was brought in as a center, but kind of has that Mo Wagner body type where I always clamored the thought that Mo could play the four and then Teske could play the five. So I think we might see some of Castleton uh, there, and that's going to be a huge lineup if so, if you can have Teske, Castleton, and Livers all on the court at once. Um but that's primarily who we'll see there. And then at the five is going to be John Teske. And he is uh, – he's a returning senior who is just a monster defensively. Uh, has never really been – I'm not going to say effective because he has been effective offensively. But he's never been the monster that he could have been with his physical toolkit. And now that Jawan Howard's here, a lot of Michigan fans are hoping we get to see him unleash the beast because he definitely is just physically able to bully pretty much any, any center in the big time. Whether he actually does that or not is yet to be seen. But it's a really exciting prospect. And uh, Jawan Morgan was the guy I was thinking of, I found Oh, um, yeah. Juwan yeah. Morgan. Yeah, he absolutely – Brandon Johns absolutely stuffed Juwan Morgan. Me and my friend were at that game, and we're like, oh, man, we got to be at the Brandon Johns breakout game, and then it didn't end up <laughs> panning out literally anything. But, uh, yeah, so so at the five, we have Teske. We already all know all about him. Hopefully we unleash some more potential under Juwan Howard. But then Colin Castleton is going to be the primary backup. Very Mo Wagner-like player, maybe not with his personality, but just with his skill set. He can hit it from outside. He, uh, he he's kind of got that lanky, skinny uh, type type body type, but he's six eleven. So it'll be really under interesting to see how he's util, utilized as a sophomore. And then there's Austin Davis on the roster, who will probably just be filling garbage time minutes, and we might see him one or two times a year when the bigs get in foul trouble. And that's a position by position. Uh, have any questions or did I miss anything? 
Uh, so when so Wagner is supposed to be back by uh, Big Ten play, correct? Uh, absolutely, by like the actual Big Ten schedule, unless there's a further mm-hmm. complication. Um, that late November timeline has me a little nervous for those early Big Ten games with uh, Illinois, at Illinois and then in the, or Iowa at home. It, I think it's really key to get him back, though, because like I mentioned earlier, they do not have a lot of three-point touch on the entire roster. There are going to be certain lineups where you're wondering who the shot is going to come from. And it's really important to have Franz Wagner in there, especially as he's the only, he's going to be one of the only players in college basketball. Uh, I don't know if we've mentioned this on the pod yet, but the three-point line in college basketball is moving back to the uh, FIBA line, which is just a couple feet right. back. But Franz Wagner is going to be one of the only people in college hoops who has experience in real game play going into the year uh, shooting on that. So, of course, he won't actually be going into his year until after everybody else has experience because we can't have nice things. Um, but, yeah, he, he's really, really a key piece for this team, uh, I think, going down the line, especially into Big Ten play, uh, the real Big Ten play, because I believe Michigan opens the January schedule at Breslin Center. So – uh, very important to have him back, and not only back, but in comfortable by that game because you're playing one of the best teams in the country on the road. Yeah, completely. Yeah, that would be. Uh, and uh, just for a fan of wanting a good game, I would love to have uh, have that matchup uh, be with everyone as healthy as possible. You know, I'm curious how much uh, state fans are going to hate Wagner because while he does share the name with his brother. From all things that I've heard, uh, not a personality. They are not the same guys. Uh, Mo was a lot more vocal and trash talky than apparently Franz is. But mm-hmm. man, a- after what happened the last time Mo Wagner played at Breslin Center, if he just hit a three and put the did the shush and he shushed the crowd, uh, it'd be really interesting to see. But again, I, he's not his brother. I don't think he's trying to be like his brother especially not in the way he plays basketball. But um, it'd, be, it'd be funny <laughs> for me. Yeah, um, don't, don't underestimate our ability to just hate everything. So he'll be <laughs> disliked. He, there, there's no question. He'll be disliked. He'll be plenty, plenty, uh, plenty uh, hated uh, yeah. that evening, whether he has success or not. Uh, yep. He'll be disliked. <laughs> yep. Oh, I'm sure he will be. Um, so that brings us – to the change in philosophy, I think, between coaches. So um, I don't think the, – the offense, it's obviously going to be a lot quicker. Um, there's going to be more turnovers for sure. But uh, there's going to be more possessions in a game than Michigan fans are used to, especially if you're like me and have only been watching basketball since John Beeline was the coach. This is going to be different. Um, and then the other term uh, – the other change in philosophy – is apparently they've been rolling out a 2-3 zone, playing about 25 or 30% of possessions on defense in a 2-3 zone. Whether So uh, Brendan Quinn and Dylan Burkhart did a pod, I think it came out yesterday or today that I listened to. They're uh, talking about whether or not that's just to have it if you need it, and they're just trying to integrate it by using it a lot in the preseason, mm-hmm. or if there is an actual – 
philosophy change and they're just going to throw that two, three at you a couple times a game and see how it goes. I'm really interested to see the heat did play the highest percentage of zone defense in the entire NBA last year. So it'll be really interesting to see. Maybe not in the game against Saginaw Valley tomorrow night because it's just an exhibition. But when they start playing teams like Appalachian State, Creighton, games that actually count, um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how much they roll out that zone. And as a Grand Valley grad, I can say tomorrow is my meteor game. So <laughs> may everyone inside that place get the flu. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. not just like two teams more than that unless you want to throw like Ferris State basketball on the floor or Ferris State football on the floor with you uh, that is that is a meteor game so oh yeah uh, but, sure. <laughs> yeah don't I, I hope you guys don't play the zone either because I agree with Brendan Quinn I hate the zone so I uh, I hate all iterations of it oh man after that after that uh, that Syracuse Michigan State game a couple years ago, yeah. I hope they throw the zone straight at you. Um, it'd be hilarious just to. Although, I think Ben Carter is out of eligibility, so that plan might be scrapped. But um, yeah. So that the only thing really left to talk about, and I know this has been a very long episode, and uh, I hope you've all enjoyed it, but we're going to try and get closer to wrapping it up, is uh, season expectations for Michigan basketball. This is a transition year, and there's no way to pay. This is a weird roster that has a ton of guys who have played years in beeline system. You have two seniors and a junior, um, and then you have – a guy like Franz Wagner who might fit the Juwan Howard team uh, more. And you have a bunch of guys then who kind of fit in the middle there that either were looking for a place in the beeline system and never found one, and now they're trying to show out for the new coach. But this is no doubt a transition year, and I'm really interested um, to see how it goes. But – this is not the transition year where they just make the NIT or just, you know, they don't make any postseason tournament like it might be for most programs. John Beeline did not get fired. He left this program in a good spot. And there are so many good players on this roster. You have to make the Big Ten – or not the Big Ten tournament. You have to make the NCAA tournament this year. Um, and I think they do. It's uh, it's a good team. Their their floor is, I think, about an eight or nine seed in the NCAA tournament, maybe a ten or eleven, because no matter the coaching change, even if Juwan Howard isn't that good of a coach, your floor defensively, when you have Xavier Simpson at point guard and you have John Teske at center, they're gonna win you games. Even without the ball in their hands, their defense is going to win you games. And so I think this is definitely a team that is going to make the tournament. And uh, I'm really excited to see to see how this year plays out. Yeah, I think you guys are NCAA tournament material also. And I think uh, uh, the most uh, – at some point this season, I think it will be talked about more. But I, uh, I really liked the hire, too, of putting Phil Martelli on staff to uh, – yes help Juwan with maybe some of the like in-game decision-making. So like when to call timeouts, maybe different rotations, like 
just like some of the just nuts and bolts of being a coach that this will be what Juwan is getting for the first time as the head coach. Um, yep. I thought that was a great hire to kind of be a mentor for a little bit until he gets, uh, gets his feet under him and maybe then Martelli retires and uh, you can replace him on the staff. But I think he's going to be a great asset for Juwan this season just to kind of lean on as a, uh, you know, just as he's just learning how to coach in game. Yeah. I, I think so, too. I really love the assistant coaching staff he put together, uh, especially retaining Saudi Washington. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be, it'll be really interesting, and I can't wait to, for them to roll the ball out tomorrow. I tell you what, though, tomorrow is going to be a, an absolute pain because I'm pretty sure hockey plays at the same time, and they're both on BTN+. Plus. So I, I think I'm going to watch hockey live and then go back and watch basketball later. But, yeah, um, it's time to hit the mailbag, though. And we actually got questions this week, so we put it out a couple times, and I I completely understand not asking questions. But we got some good ones, Uh, unfortunately, because we're at about an hour and 40 minutes on this episode, and one of the questions from Charles, who I mentioned earlier, is a really good question that we're going to really dig in on and probably spend 10 minutes on it itself. Uh, we sure. are doing a pod on Sunday. We're going to bump it there. And I apologize to Charles, but we want to give it the time it's de- it deserves. The question is, we're each gonna, I'm going to build an all-time Michigan starting five. You're going to build an all-time MSU starting five. And we'll each pick a coach. wonder who those are going to be. And then, right, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then we will uh, talk about it. However, we want to give that one the time it deserves. Um, For sure. we'll get to this other question that was asked by my grandfather through a Facebook post I put up is what will Michigan have to do to slow down or stop Chase Young from Ohio State? Um, they won't. <laughs> yeah, that's the answer. That, that's, that's the answer. That's it. And I am not trying to be disrespectful to the question because that should be Jim Harbaugh's number one question going into this game is how do we stop this guy? And my answer is that they won't. They might slow him down. But I'm afraid we're going to get to see Shea Patterson snapped in half like we saw Jake Rudock when Nick or when Joey Bosa was back at Ohio State. Um. He, he's the best player in college football. He probably won't win the Heisman, but he is in that conversation as a D lineman. And I, I really do like Michigan's offensive line right now. But you're not slowing down Chase Young. You're not stopping Chase Young <laughs> legally. I think the only, the only way you do it is, uh, is not even something about different blocking schemes or anything like that. It's honestly you just – get the ball out so quick that you can't get sacked by him. So it would almost be like completely changing what you're doing and going to an offense that only runs bubble screens or only yeah. runs, you know, stuff like that because yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be hard and they move him all over the line. You can't just have it be one side is prepared to take on, on young. They, they lined him up at linebacker against Wisconsin on Saturday. Exactly. So, I don't know how you how you prepare other than just when we can get it, we'll try and double or triple team him. <laughs> um, yeah. 
have a running back chip him, uh, but he's going to get his plays. You're just trying to make it so that he gets a sack at maybe not the worst times and he doesn't cause a fumble, <laughs> but he's going to get his, he's going to get his. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he will. You know, it's, it's going to be a tough one to, to imagine anyone this season actually stopping him. Yep. And I agree completely. And that is all we have again, Charles, we will get to your question on Sunday. I already have my starting five and coach and I'm super excited. We'll eventually put a poll up to see who would win uh, between our teams. Uh, but this has been a fun episode, Jeremy. I mean, we, we covered a lot and we're probably going to have some long episodes from now until, you know, early December when we have football and hockey and basketball going on. Uh, but yeah, we have an exciting one Sunday though, too. We get to recap some college hockey and, look ahead to a huge basketball opener. Yes, and uh, if you followed our my, uh, my meltdown on Twitter this weekend, you'll understand uh, our apologies. Brendan has to watch some Peaky Blinders, and then we can become <laughs> a full Peaky Blinders podcast. So we do apologize if you sat around for an hour and 40 minutes waiting for the Peaky Blinders content. Uh, <laughs> we got you, but it's coming. Uh, if MSU loses to Illinois, this is a Peaky Blinders and Breaking Bad podcast exclusively. Oh, my God. I haven't – oh, I don't even want to admit this one, but I haven't seen Breaking Bad either. Uh, um, no, you're okay. I'm actually watching it for the first time too. I'm in season okay. two, and I've been, like, catching steam now because it finally got to where I was really buying in. So you're not alone. We, yeah, you know what's so funny? We can go through this together. Is, uh, like, I am so bad with TV, but – uh, like Stranger Things, me and my girlfriend, we, we hadn't seen any of it. And when the third season was about to be released, we went and we binged season one and two. And then school started and we just completely, like we had to, ju- we just started season three like a week ago and we're almost done. But like, it, I am very bad with television and I try my hardest, but I like to. I You're like busy, sports. man. You're in school. I like sports too much, for sure. Um, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. And, uh, yeah, if you, if you are really looking for a binge show, because you can get this done in, like, a day, that Paul Rudd show on Netflix is pretty good. So oh, is it? Oh, man. Consider I checking watch. that one out. Yeah. It's the half-hour episodes, and there's only eight of them. So you can rip right through that one. That one, oh, yeah, uh, I can. you know, like on the bye week there, although there's some good football that bye week for Michigan. But, uh, um, yeah, you could rip right through that. Yeah. And uh... – we will we will leave the rest of this to our uh, our off season content next summer. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it's been a great episode, and thank you all for listening. If you've made it this far, you must really like us, which means we love you. Um, follow <laughs> us on all of our socials. Our our um our official Twitter is at Podcast Divided. I'm at Brendan for AFC. Jeremy, we already talked about yours but it's at jd underscore jerbear um we are obvious we are on apple we are on spotify we are on soundcloud if you have anything else you'd like to listen to podcasts on let me know and we will get on there uh you have any parting thoughts for the week jeremy uh no we've we've talked enough tonight uh thanks for sticking with us uh congrats on running a full 5k plus uh, I hope we didn't kill your legs as if you tried to set your exercise to this podcast. Um, uh, but we'll see you Sunday with some uh, some thoughts, and maybe I'll have some sunshine uh, football-wise. 
All right. Thanks, everybody. See you Sunday.